Hallelujah. Welcome once again to another live session of the Potter's Gate online broadcast. My name is Isaiah Phillips Akintola. This is our, our broadcast and uh, we're going to be looking into uh, some very important uh, subject this morning. I'm going to be dealing with the concept of offense in the church, in the body of Christ, but pat particularly pertaining to the nature of the days that we live in. I'm sorry that I'm starting a little bit late. We're supposed to start from nine o'clock. But unfortunately, I had to, you know, put some things together just to make this uh, broadcast a while. So uh, let's let's look into the word of God and let's see what the spirit of the Lord is saying to us. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we want to once again thank you this morning for your mercy and goodness, grace and love. Thank you, Lord, that you have brought us into a brand new day once again, a day where your spirit is emphasizing certain realities that we need to understand, we need to put into practice, and we need to, yes, arm ourselves with in terms of engaging the nature of the days that we live in. These are days where your spirit is calling us to ascend, yet we know that there are things in our life that could hinder, that could stop, that could frustrate this call. And so, Father, this morning, as we allow your spirit once again to guide and to lead us into your heart, into your mind, into your will, help us to see, help us to know, help us to understand those things that you are emphasizing. Help us to look into the word of God and see patterns that will help us to make sense of the days that we live in. So we don't give ourselves, oh God, to unnecessary issues, oh God, unnecessary battles, unnecessary offense. We want to be able to rise up in the life in the nature of your truth we want to be able to represent your divine intention for this brand new day so once again father i thank you that your spirit oh god once again will lead me and guide me and allow me to speak and to represent oh god your voice to your people let this word be oh god a word that will bring clarity and direction and even caution yes to the body of christ so that we can journey you know in a in a in the reality of your ways and your truth oh god and we can journey in truth and in love oh god we thank you. We bless your name. We glorify your name. And once again, Father, we will be able to go forth, O oh God. We will conquer. We will be able to advance in the light of your truth, O oh God. We will not be captured by the spirit of darkness that is in fact clocking in and, and roaming the hearts of men in this brand new day. So we thank you. We bring ourselves under the authority and the influence of your spirit. Lead us, teach us, instruct us, guide us in the light of your truth, O oh God. We thank you. We want to journey with you. We want our heart, O oh God, to connect with your life, with your truth, O oh God. We want our mind, our soul, every part of our being, O oh God, to walk, O oh God, in the full reality of your divine intention. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much, my dear sister, Jane. Thank you for connecting this morning once again with me. I really do appreciate it. Um, I just sense in my spirit that the Father will have us, you know, look at this concept again. I know we've, we've, we've dealt with this sometimes back, I think two years ago, I think I spoke about uh, uh, offense, but I also felt a leading, you know, a, a in line with that which the Spirit of the Lord has been, you know, saying to me a couple of days now. I, and this morning, you know, while I posted a word yesterday and uh, one of the ladies following us she, she couldn't you know you know understand or maybe i don't i don't understand but where she could not really grapple with some of the things that i was saying particularly you know a particular word that i was you know i posted you know on on offense you know and and while i was you know trying to re reply her i felt the spirit of the lord said to me as i rather than just posting these little clips you know of, of post why don't you just 
you know, once again, talk about this thing. Just refresh the mind of the people. And beyond that, all right, you, you also can, you know, look into this thing again and get a clearer and a better understanding in terms of, you know, the heart of the Father. And so I felt, okay, that's a good thing to do. And therefore, I decided, okay, this morning, I will quickly do this. Hopefully, in the next uh, 51, 50 minutes, one hour, I should be done because I'm actually in, yeah, expecting some guests to come visit me this morning. So I really want to quickly finish this. But but this is something I feel in my heart that we need to look into. And uh, it's it's so important to the to the degree that I believe that our advancement into the nature of the days that we live in, amen, will 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 will, will rest on how we are able to tackle excuse me, how we're able to tackle this, this spirit, because we like it or not, we are in the midst of a war. Thank you, my dear sister Vanessa. Thank you, uh, uh, brother Ricardo, this morning. I appreciate everyone connecting with us this morning. We want to tackle this this subject, and, and I'm hoping and believing that the Father will really give us you know, insight and depth, and we will have you know, an opening into the heart of the Lord, because spiritual things, of, of course, can only be dealt with, amen, with spiritual you know, understanding, and we can only relate to them in spiritual understanding. And and I think one of the one of the things the Spirit of God is saying, particularly to me, is Isaiah, you've got to have a clearer and a better understanding of my ways and of my dealings, so that you don't find yourself in a situation where the enemy entraps you. Now, one of the one of the tricks and one of the tactics of the enemy, all right, today is that he's entrapping men. But it's not a new trick. I mean, when you look into Scripture, you will see where Jesus prayed. Jesus. Said, he looked at Peter and he said to Peter, Peter, do you know Satan has desired to sift you like a whiff? He said, but I have prayed for you. So we begin to see, you know, interaction. Now, Peter didn't even know what the enemy was planning, but Jesus knew. In fact, Jesus says, Satan has come to ask has come to ask for permission from me all right, to allow him to sift you like a whiff. He said, but I've, I've prayed for you, all right? When you stand, he said, also pray for your brethren to stand. So we begin to see all kinds of layers of, you know, spiritual warfare, if you will, engagement that we need to understand if we are truly going to advance in the light of truth. The days we live in are called the days of the end. Now, some of the characteristics of the days of the end, amen, really needs to be, needs to be amplified, needs to be, crystal clear to us in order for us to be able to arm ourselves remember the scripture in Ephesians it said put on the whole armor of God Ephesians chapter 6 it said put on the whole armor of God the whole armor of God these armors are not human made all right they are not carnal they are not fleshy it said put on the whole armor of God it said that you may be able to stand against the walls of the enemy now, we understand that this enemy, we can't see them with our two naked eyes. The enemy we're dealing with are spiritual enemy. And they use all kinds of means and ways and tricks and tactics and strategy, all right, to try to get us. And most times, those tricks, those, those, those attacks are very subtle. For example, the concept of offense is very subtle, all right? It's easy for us to get offended without actually, you know, planning to be offended, you know, it's just something, you know, that that, that 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 impacts our life to the point where we begin to react. Offense, amen. In most time, uh, uh, you know, are uh, 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 engaged by reaction. And I really want to believe the Lord to, to look at some principles in the word of God. Because when I look at the life of 
you know, John, in fact, that's that's what led me to, you know, to, 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 to you know, to say, okay, let's talk about this. When I look at the life of somebody like John, if you look at the kind of spiritual resume, the kind of spiritual quality that John the Baptist have, I mean, this is a man who, who proclaimed that he must decrease. That Christ must increase in his life. That was how that was how sighted, that was how passionate John was, all right, in his in his interaction with the things of the Spirit. I mean, John understood the ways of Christ. In fact, the Bible called him the way maker. John was the voice in the wilderness crying, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his path. So I, I, I just want you to kind of understand, you know, who John was. John was the voice, he was the voice of God. He, he was he was the one preparing the path. He, he was the one you know, sent to, to clear the path for the coming of the Lord. Yet within the structure of this man, at, the, at, the, at, at some point, at the, in fact, at the peak of his ministry, we begin to see him derail. And, and, and I'm saying this, all right, not to, not to look down at John. I would never do that. I would never look down at the ministry of John or, you know, play down, you know, at the ministry of John. No, in fact, my life and ministry is, uh, is almost like connected to that which, you know, one see in the life of John. I see myself as a voice, all right, of, of the Lord, preparing the way of the Lord. You know, this is somebody who has a powerful prophetic apostolic grace to build, to make inroad, amen, to create paths for Christ to act access lives, cities, nations. So, so this is a man whose spiritual resume, amen, is very, very, you know, uh, uh, high. When you when, when when they bring up the CV of John, I mean, you you want to look at him again and again and say, here is a man who who is approved of God. Here is a man who has been well resourced. That was John. I mean, John was was a reflection of the voice of Elijah. Before Christ, it was, the, it was the Elijah to come, they said. He carried the spirit of Elijah. So, so I want us to understand that when we're dealing with this spirit that we're dealing with, that we're talking about in terms of, you know, uh, uh, offense, I need you to see how, you know, uh, how, 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 how terrible, one, but not just terrible. I need you to see how this spirit can easily influence the life of a person. And the reason for that, I'm going to talk about that. The reason why we get offended because we have a wrong expectation. When we don't have a clear understanding, when we don't have a sound biblical, you know, know-how of the ways of God, of the life of God, of the intentions of God, of the dealings of God, when our trust about the things of God and in God himself, amen, is not, is not edged on his value, it's easy for us to be offended. Do you know there are many people today offended, amen, offended about God, offended. They are offended about God than even offended about men. There are so many ch people in the church today who are offended because God did not respond the way they expected. God did not, you know, do what they expect. God did not move the way they expected because God has not answered their prayer. All kinds of expectations that we have built but unfortunately, those expectations were built on a wrong value system. Were built, amen, on a wrong foundation, on a wrong belief system. M many of the things that many of us are offended to, are offended about today, are because we are we've been misinformed. 
We've been misinformed. We've been mis, you know, we, we've been misdirected. We've been misled by religion, by tradition, amen, by, 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 by false expectation, or by false value standard, amen. I mean, that's why when you look at the concept of prayer that we've been talking about, I've been trying for many years to help people to understand that our expectation of prayer, amen, does not necessarily speak to God's concept of answering. He said, my ways are not your ways. So, so if, we, if we build our life or we build our Christianity or vis-a-vis -vis our spirituality, amen, on a wrong expectation, on a false expectation, just like we can build our entire ministry, our entire giftings, amen, on a wrong uh, uh, foundation, obviously our expectation is going to be wrong. So it's important that we deal with the heart of what leads to, you know, a, a, a offense. And I think that is something that I hope by the grace of God we'll be able to look into and, 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 and deal with so that we can begin to see the way the Father sees. Because you see, when we see the way the Father sees, nothing will offend us. And we will not get disappointed because we get offended because we get, yes, we get offended because we, 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 we get disappointed by, you know, people's actions. But in fact, I was trying to look at that definition of, of offense. Now, let's, let's look at this. I'm going to go into the scripture now, but just look at this. And, and I really want to connect this to, you know, the ministry of the prophetic because John represents a prophetic voice. So we're not just dealing with something outside the context, amen, of, you know, a, a lack of maturity. We're talking about a man whose life defines, epitomizes maturity. But within the, within, the, within the order of our maturity, I tell you, the enemy can sneak in. If the enemy can sneak into the garden, <laughs> come on. If the enemy can sneak into the garden, the enemy can sneak into our life. When we leave, amen, certain doors open. When we have certain false beliefs, certain false expectations. When we have certain values. When we have certain, you know, false belief about spirituality. Or when we have, in fact, when we have false, false definition of spirituality. That can open the, 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 the you know, the, 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 the leeway. That can be a leeway. That can open the door for the enemy to access our heart and we begin to you know you know grow expect i mean look at look at look at cain look at cain cain got offended because because god rejected his offering and not like god decided okay i'm gonna choose abel's offering and i'm no you know this guy brought the wrong offering to god and hoping and expecting that god was going to accept it he brought an offering from his own sweat after God had already cursed everything that come from the sweat of man. After God had already made it clear that whatever come from human sweat is, I don't want it. That is part of, you know, you know the, 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 the nature we've got to understand about the things of God. That God does not accept our sweat. I mean, that is something that, you know, uh, you know Cain should have known. He, he brought an offering to God from his own labor, thinking that that was going to please God. God said, I'm not interested in your labor. I'm interested in your obedience. I'm interested in your submission. I'm interested in your connection, in your intimacy, in your love. That's what I want. Abel brought from that which, amen, you know, reflects life. He brought life. But came brought of his sweat. But Abel brought life to God. He brought the blood. He brought an offering of blood. 
He brought his life. That offering represents his life. He brought his life to God. You see, many of us think, oh God, well, God is interested in my offering. He's interested in the offering of your life, not in the offering of your sweat. Oh, come on. And this man got angry with God. And the Lord came to him and said, Cain, what's going on? Why is your, why, why is your face looking so downcast? Come on, you did the wrong thing. Your brother did the right thing. He said, watch it. Sin is lying at your door. Sin is knocking at your door. You better don't open the door. But guess what? He opened the door. And you know what he did? He killed his brother. That's the power of offense. When we don't deal with offense, it leads, it leads us to the place where we become murderers. You don't have to physically kill somebody, but you can kill somebody, amen, in your thought. You can kill somebody in your words. You can kill somebody just by looking at them because of the things. I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean, I'm sure many of us understand that those who go out to commit murder, it starts from a thought pattern. But let's not go, let's not run ahead. I just want us to understand, all right, that the, the environment that we live in in the days of the end. The scripture made us to understand that as we engage the days of the end, many things will begin to happen that will cause offense. Many things. We're going to be having, you know, uh, you know, engagements, interactions, events that will steer, amen, offense. Brother will be offended against brother. Sisters against sister. I, I hope you understand that. If, in fact, what I'm talking about, I'm not talking about offense outside the church. I'm talking about offense within the church. I'm talking about offense within amen, ministry, within the life of leaders, within the life of people who are supposed to be, you know, carriers of the things of God, who are supposed to be, you know, watchmen, who are supposed to be leaders. I mean, I knew when I died to offense. I didn't, I didn't grow up, you know, you know, becoming so innocent of a person. I had to come to a point in my life where I had to make a decision that offense is no longer part of my life. Because that thing is toxic. It will kill you. It will destroy you like a cancer. But let's look at this. Let's look at this word. Thank you, everyone, for connecting. Let's look at offense. They say the word offense means annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult. I want us to look at that word by a perceived annoyance. It says offense is annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult or to disregard oneself or other people's standard or principle. I'm, I'm, I'm defining offense. It says it's an annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived. You have to have a perceived, you know, a, a standard for you to get offended. I hope you understand that there are certain people who do things to you, but you don't get offended. Because there's a, there's a perception, there's a belief, there's, the way, there's a way you look at the person. I mean, you just like, imagine a mad person, a mad person, all right? Looked at you and just, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what, you know, and I, I don't know how, what they say it here, how they would say it in Africans, but let's say the, a mad person, you know, uh, uh, swear, swear at you. <laughs> Are you going to turn at the mad person and start getting offended? Come on. Are you just going to look at the mad person and say, what in the world? Why would you say such a thing to me? You will not. You will walk away. Why? Because you know that that person is what? Is mad. The person is not in his right sense of mind. 
You so you just walk away. But if somebody else that you feel is well dressed is looking okay, and in fact it looks very you know <laughs> very dignified, and say anything offensive to you, you're gonna get offended. Why? Because you expect that person, all right, to know certain things, to understand certain things about you, about your life, all right? Uh, you know, maybe not about you, but you expect that person to accord you some dignity. You expect that person to accord you some respect. That's why you, we get offended, because we have an assumed expectation. Because we have an assumed expectation. We have an assumed expectation. Because we have an assumed expectation, we get offended. That's why people that are close to us are the people that get us offended the what? The most. Yes. Because we have, we have developed certain expectation from them. We develop, we've developed certain beliefs. We, 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 we expect that they should know certain things. I, I'm sure you understand what I'm talking about. That the closer people get to you, the more you, you tend to get offended, amen, by their actions or reaction. Why? Because you, you've placed them on a certain pedestrian. You expect them to know certain things. You expect this person to know you. That is why, amen, divorce is rife. Amen. What leads to divorce? In fact, in our community like this in South Africa, where they say close to 85% people you know, have, have divorced, are facing divorce. The reason for that is because people get offended. And because they don't deal with that offense, they end up separating. They end up divorcing. Why? Because they expect you're supposed to be my husband. You're supposed to be my wife. You should know better. So you get offended. The closer the people are to you, amen, the more, the severe the offense. Because you expect. But for a stranger, you don't get that offended because a stranger said something. I mean, we get offended at ourselves because that man is a pastor, is a man of God. I mean, I expect him to know more. I expect him to know better. He's a prophet. He's, a, he's an apostle. He's a leader. I expect you know, that, that, that expectation creates more pain. Aha, yes. It creates more pain because you expect that person. You respect that person. You've placed that person in certain position. You see, that speaks into our immaturity when it comes to the things of the Spirit. That's what I quickly want to bring up. Look at that. I'm going to take that definition again. He said, offense is annoyance or resentment brought about by a perceived insult. You perceived, you know, when you perceived something and you don't have insight into it, you're expecting this person to be able to know, to be able to understand this thing. And the person did otherwise. It gets you, it just gets you bonkers. You just go, no way. I know I will not take it. I can take it from any other person, but not from you. I expect so much from you. Ah, come on. That speaks into our lack of understanding about the things of God because we look at people and we expect them based on certain rapport, based on certain commitment and relationship, based on certain quote and unquote intimacy we have with them. We expect them to know certain things. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way because people, regardless of how well placed, how you know well committed, how loving they are, they are subject to fall, they are subject to failure, they are subject to disappointment. 
Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says Jesus knew the heart of men. And therefore, he will not commit himself. These were the same people who wanted to come and make him what? A king. They wanted to come make him a king. But the Bible says Jesus knew the heart of men. But he would not come. Why? Why wouldn't he submit himself and say, okay, I, I'm already a king. So go ahead, make me a king. Because he knew that people cannot be trusted. <coughs> Excuse me. He knew that people, all right, people that are not being reformed and transformed by the Spirit cannot be trusted. The same people who claim, yes, they're going to, they love you, they're going to serve, they're going to commit themselves, you know, the same people tomorrow are going to say, no, people are subject to changing their mind. Sometimes not because they want to change their mind. But because their, their emotion, their life earlier is built on instability. Because their life, amen, is built on instability. Many people's life, many people's value system, all right, are not built on principle, amen, that are, that are stable, that are consistent. People are like yo-yo. Today they are up, tomorrow they are down. Today they are happy, tomorrow they don't know how they feel. You don't build your life on false expectation. If people, I mean, if I have to build my life on people's expectation, I'm telling you by now I would have committed suicide. <laughs> you don't do that. You've got to understand the nature of people. So, so it's a perceived insult. You perceived it. And that was John for you. John had a wrong expectation of our Lord Jesus Christ. He had a wrong expectation. And many of us as leaders... As pastors, as prophets, as apostles, even though we know so much about the things of God, even though we have preached, amen, even though we have written books, even though, hallelujah, we have, we have, we have done so many things in terms of ministry, but guess what? Guess what? We still fail each other because we built our life and our ministry on wrong expectation. We build our life on wrong expectation. And anyone who builds his life, ministry, family, marriage, on a false expectation, on a wrong expectation, even with the most closest person, you understand? Let me take this home. Let me, let me, let me bring this close. No, no matter how you trust your wife or your husband, do not build your expectation on them. The fact that you build your expectation on that person, amen, the more reason God will make that thing fail. Our expectation must be of the Lord. Whatever we are expecting, amen, from people must go via the Lord. Must go via the Lord. You cannot build your relationship, amen, on certain expectation. I expect my husband to do this. I expect my wife to know this. Once you begin to create an expectation, all right, that is not one even vocalized, that is not, you know, that is not, you know, ventilated in terms of communicating. If you're, if you're expecting certain things from people that you have not communicated to them, I'm telling you, that is a waiting disaster. You don't want to do that. That is building on assumption. And assumption, I tend to fail. So why am I looking at this? I'm looking at this because we need to understand who we are and who God is. And the value system, if you will, 
the protocol of connecting and relating, not just with God, but with each other. And like I said, I had to learn. I mean, there are people that have, that have disappointed me, but I'm not offended. You see, you can get disappointed about people, but you don't have to be offended. And in fact, if we take this further, we should never be disappointed about because to be disappointed about people's character is to have placed people on a false pedestal. To be disappointed in people is to is to accept accept people that are under you, maybe like your children. You can be disappointed. I expect you, my child, to know better because I have taught you X Y Z. But anyone, all right, that is of your equal or that is above you. Please don't build expectation on them. Don't even build your expectation on me. If you build your expectation on me, I'm telling you, God will make sure that I fail you. That's how the things are. You see, we're looking at the scope of spiritual development. In the days of the end, our, our expectation, our hope, our trust must be solely based and built on Christ alone and nothing else. Not on a gift, not on a church, not on a man, not on some community, not on some network. Everything about our, in fact, not on your marriage, not on your spouse, not on your money, your expectation, your hope, your trust. Everything that defines your life must be built on Christ. Our expectation must be of the Lord. That doesn't mean that you don't give your best to those things that I just mentioned, but your expectation must come from God. It's like, it's like talking about reward. Our reward is not from men. My, my relationship to my, to my wife, hallelujah, is to my wife. But guess what? My, 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 my reward in that relationship should not come from my wife. should come from the Lord. Ah, we have to get to that realm where we know that even in our relationship, amen, our expectation must come from God or else we are going to get disappointed. And that is where the pain gets severe because, because you know this person. You, you, you're connected to this person. You're so in love with this person. And this person, you know, drop the ball. <laughs> drop the ball. And you're like, but why would you drop the ball? Why can't the person drop the ball? Don't put your hope and expectation on a person. It's a disaster. That's why it's important we understand what relationship is all about. You see, when we understand what we're talking about today, I'm telling you, if you're, ma if you, if you, if you're, if you're, if you're married, you will live in your marriage till Jesus come. Divorce will not even come near you. You see, there is nothing, there is nothing the enemy can do today that can make me look back and say, oh, oh, uh, my wife, I expect so much from you. Why would you do this? Ah, tomorrow I'm divorcing you. Listen to this. Not even if the enemy, let's, God forbid, let God forbid, let's even say I caught my wife with another man. Listen to me, I'm not going to divorce her. It's, it is not, you see, you've got to understand the things of the spirit. <laughs> you see, if we don't understand the thing, these things we're talking about, I'm telling you, we're going to get to a point, we're going to get to a point where, listen to this, we're going to get to a point where we're going to turn back. 
few days ago, I, I, I shared a, a concept with us about, about you know, uh, 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 Ruth and Ophir. You know, with Naomi. Yes. I was talking about, the, you know, the Naomi's church. The scripture said, when Naomi's son died, Abimelech, there was nothing again, you know, to gain in the relationship. So Naomi said to, you know, to, to her two daughter-in-law, look, my son is dead. I have nothing to offer you. If I, if I have to give birth to another son today for you to marry, I mean, it's going to take how many years for that child to grow? So, guys, please go back to your, your home. Go back to where you're coming from. Ofer, please go. Root, go. I need you to see the heart of relationship. Because if you don't understand this, you are not ready to walk the walk. You are not ready to journey with the Lord. Because listen to this. In our journey, there will be bumps. In our journey, there will be, there will be, there will be roadblocks. In our journey, there will be potholes. In our journey, there will be valleys. In our journey, there will be mountains. In our journey, I'm telling you, there will be, there will be, there will be rivers and, and sea that we will have to swim. And if we don't understand how to how to engage this obstacle we are going to turn back we're going to find ourselves turning back you know I thank God when I gave my life to Jesus Christ one of the stories that fascinated me the most was it was you know this story of you know of Ruth Naomi and, and Ophir the scripture said that you know as, as Naomi continued to persuade them go back guys I don't have ladies I don't have anything to offer to you leave go go my, my child is dead go, go you're still young go go start your life afresh go get another husband for yourself in the heat of the persuasion listen to this this is where the crux of the matter is in the heat of the persuasion and it was a good persuasion because they were still young the Bible says that offer turn back and went to our, our you know our, our people we went to our god ruth said no i am going with you it, you may seem as if you're barren you may seem as if you're, you're bitter you have nothing to offer but listen I've, I've entered into this relationship i'm not turning back i have said it's for good or for worse we're going on together <laughs> that was Ruth. If we're going to step into the day of the Lord, we have to learn. We have to drink from the brook called Ruth. We have to enter into the sphere, into the atmosphere. We've got to study the life and the nature of Ruth when it comes to commitment into the things of the Spirit. Or else we are going to get offended. Because we live in a world that is hedged around offense. They both looked at the situation. Ruth and Naomi looked at the, excuse me, Ruth and Ophir looked at the situation. But two of them saw the situation from two different lights. It's a prophetic sight. Ruth saw something that Ophir did not see. Come on. I say Ruth saw something that Ophir, in fact, Ruth saw something that Naomi did not see. That's why Ruth is a powerful woman that we need to track. She's a type of a last day church. A church that never gives up. Not because somebody disappointed. 
Not, we don't go because of what I can get. You see, that's the point that I'm making. You don't enter a relationship because of what you're going to get in that relationship. You enter a relationship because of an assignment that you know. An assignment that you know. If you don't know the assignment for your marriage, listen to me. A day is going to come. There will be a pothole. There will be a valley time. There will be a valley season. You're going to fall in there and you're going to be wondering, where's my husband to pull me out? Where is my wife to pull me out? And they are nowhere to be found. And you are going to take offense because you expect so much from that person. Meanwhile, you don't even know what is going on with that person. But because you've developed an expectation. It's time to reevaluate what we're doing. You see, well, I'm talking about the church of the last day. I'm talking about a, a quality of men and women who will engage the days of the end. You see, the disciples, the apostles, the apostles of the Lamb, they understood this thing. That is why every one of them died in a way that anyone today <laughs> would think twice. Listen to this, friends. I want to say, our walk with the things of God is not cheap. Ministry is not comical. This thing that we're doing that is sound, that looks like a comic, that looks like, you know, you know uh, 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 we're just joking. We've got to understand that we are in this thing for a long run. We're tracking something. If you want to go back, you can go back. <laughs> that's, that's the order of Naomi. Go back. <laughs> Nobody's going to stop you. You're free to go. After all, there's nothing to gain. She's an old woman. What's there again to gain in this relationship? We're tracking something here. If we don't deal with this, friends... You're going to disappoint me and I'm going to disappoint you. But if we understand what I'm highlighting this morning, Howard, we will journey till Jesus come. Tina, we will journey till Jesus come. I'm telling you, in the next 10, 20 years, if Jesus tarried, we will still be, we will still be chatting. We would have gone through all kinds of things. All kinds of things. There, listen to this. There will be disagreement. Disagreement does not mean that we then wake up one morning and say, no, you go your way, I go my way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Because we know what binds our heart to this thing. It's a covenant. It's a covenant. When we're not in this thing for, you know, if you, if, you, if you always have to love what I say and I have to always love what you say, somebody is deceiving somebody. I told you, you can check that, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, um, my timeline, you will see it there. Sister Jane, she said, she said this thing you said, Isaiah, I'm still, I'm still trying to understand it. I'm still trying to chew this thing. And that, you see. That, that spirit, that, that desire to want to know, she wasn't challenging me. She just said, I've not been able to process this thing. And that understanding, you see, pulls something out of my spirit and says, Isaiah, why don't, you, why don't you expand on this, con this concept of offense? Just expand. Yes, it's a covenant. If we don't have a covenant, if we don't understand the power of covenant in tracking the things of the spirit, I'm telling you, after five years, 
You see men of God, they go their way. <laughs> they go this way. That one goes this way, this way. No, no. But we are all men of God. We are all gifted. We are all graced. We are all imparted. But guess what? We are all seen from different view, from different view lens. But it's the same God. I was reading Corinthians yesterday. Paul said, I pray. I pray that all of you will have the same mind and thought. I said, Paul, what are you talking about? Read it. He said, I'm praying that you all have Corinthian church. I want you guys to have the same mind and thought. I said to myself, this thing is doable. <laughs> Can you imagine? Everybody's tracking with each other. The same mind. He didn't just say the same spirit. He said the same mind and thoughts are the things dividing us today are not in our thoughts and our minds. Because, because you can't see from the point that I'm seeing. Therefore, I become your enemy. Before, because, because you cannot, I cannot track what you, are, what you are dealing with. Therefore, you know, you become my enemy. No, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. That is still a first day church concept of thinking. And that's why it's important that we have a solid base, a solid spiritual foundation of what biblical Christianity is. Because, you see, if we don't understand that, ah, we're going to be quarreling every day. That's why I keep saying that we've got to find what is the core of our connection. You see, if Jesus is not the center core, if, if, if something else is the center core, if a revelation, a truth, you know, you know, some gift and ministry is the center core of our relationship, I tell you, we're going to scatter. We are, the church is not going to stand. But if Christ, the revelation of the ascended Christ is the center, just like Presti Ebi said in his, in his book, all right? If we, if Christ is the center core of our, you know, of our commitment, of our engagement to the things of the Spirit, then Christ defines, amen, our expectation. He defines how I see, how I see Jane. He defines how I see, you know, Howard. He defines how I see Edwina. He defines how I see, you know, somebody else. He defines how we look at each other. And when you don't understand something properly, you can, you can, you can begin to ask and say, "But this thing, I'm not seeing it from the way you're seeing." It. Can you enlighten me than to get offended because we're going to look at some things this morning i'm wondering how do we get to a point where the bible says fathers will betray their own children and children will betray their fathers to death it tells us that we get to a day or right, where the foundation that defines amen, our commitment to the things of the spirit has been what has been shaken has been shifted has been compromised. That you betray somebody who brought you to this world. Are we not getting to that day now with all the policies that the government are bringing? <laughs> we get into that day. This is why our understanding about the things of the spirit needs to be firmly established. Not on assumption. You don't want to assume this thing. You want to be certain. You want to be certain. You want to be sure. That you are connected to the right point. That you are connected to the right people. And once you are certain. Guess what? You continue the journey. There will be many falls. But you get up. You continue the walk. Amen. There will be many disappointments. But you, because you know that the Lord is perfecting that person. We are all. Listen to these friends. In the kingdom. Once we understand the nature and the reality of life in Christ. 
Amen. And we continue to track on that route. Listen to this. We are all we are all projects in the hand of God being perfected. It's, it's the Lord at work in us, but to will and to do of his good pleasure. That is different from somebody who sneaked into our community. It was John who said some of them have sneaked into us unawares. That's different. And those are the people we need to locate and remove. Because they are coming in what? In sheep clothing. Though they are wolves. So you've got to be able to differentiate a wolf from a true brother. When a, listen, to what, listen to what Paul said. Excuse me. What David said. He said, I rather, I rather have my brother. All right? I rather have my brother. You know, slap me on the face. Slap me on the face. I rather have that one. Open rebuke, he calls it. He said, that secret love. Than somebody, than you know, than a stranger coming to say, Oh, I love you, pretending only to be preparing to kill you. I'd rather have somebody that, that can look at my face and rebuke me for a mistake than somebody say, Oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Is that not what we're seeing today in the church? We've so reduced the values of the things of, the, of, of, of Christ to the point that we're afraid to correct each other. We're afraid to rebuke each other. We're afraid to tell each other, but you're wrong. And still accept it. Is there a relationship that there will not be quarrel? Is there a relationship that there will not be mistake? Tell me. Have you seen any, any relationship that there's no mistake? That there's no assumption, that there's no presumption, that people don't fail. There, I mean, there is even the Bible says Jesus at, at, Gethsemane, at Gethsemane. He prayed, he said, Father, don't you have a different route? Is can't we talk about a different that immediately he corrected himself? Not my will. Because we still live in this flesh. And every day we're crucifying this flesh to the cross. If we understand that, when you look at everybody. You will value them from the, from, the, you know, from the value system of the kingdom. You will value them. You will see them through the eyes of God. And this, like I said, I'm balancing what I'm saying. This has to be from the context of those who truly have given their heart. Who truly are committed to the things of the spirit. Not liars. Not people who are pretending. Not people who Jesus called wolves in sheep clothing we've got to expose that ungodly life it's not they are not the brothers they are the one that wants to steal and kill hallelujah the community so let's 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 continue to track john we're looking at john because john defines to us an epitome of maturity yet offense was found in his life are you with me friends Oh, hallelujah. I love this. I love this. Uh, let's look at Matthew chapter, chapter 11. Let's look at Matthew chapter, chapter 11. And I'm going to take it from verse 1. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, and I want you to look at context because context is very important to truth. If you don't understand context, you cannot appreciate truth. Neither can you, you know, really begin to value truth. God always speaks. Christ always speaks from the position of context. And that's why people can take the truth out of context and say, but the Bible said, but yes, you quoted what the Bible said, but you quoted the scripture out of context. 
out of context. You don't want to quote scripture out of context. Neither do you want to live your life or relationship, amen, out of context. We want to live our life from the position of context because context helps us to deal with the now, amen, deal with the past and also deal with the future. So I'm reading Matthew chapter 1. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach. I like this. To teach and preach in the town of Galilee. So Galilee basically is a context, but that's not where we're going. When John, listen to this, when John, who was in prison, that's the context here. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he went, excuse me, he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Somebody said, what's wrong with this question? Well, a thousand and one thing is wrong with the question. When John, who is in prison, heard about the deeds, not that, the deeds, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the healing, the things that Jesus was doing. As if John didn't know about those things. But Bible says when he heard, so they were they were informing they were informing uh, uh, you know John. You know, John was tracking the ministry of Jesus. I want you to understand, remember that John began ministry before Jesus Christ. And Jesus, the, the ministry of John was to work to prepare the way for the ministry of Jesus. Oh, if only we understand this, friends. If only our leaders will understand this. The certain people are designed, that their ministry are designed basically just to prepare the path. It's just like, you know, the friends of the bridegroom who have been sent ahead to make sure, amen, that the bride, amen, is, is, is you know, uh, is prepared, well-dressed, waiting for the bridegroom. Only for the, only for the friends of the bride, <laughs> or, excuse me, for the friend of the bridegroom to start eyeing, you know, the, the, the bride and say, wow, you look so beautiful. Maybe we should, maybe we should even forget about, you know, our friend and just take over. That seems to be the kind of a church we're doing today. That the beauty of the bride, amen, are so charmed, the friends of the bridegroom, that now they want the bride for themselves. So John, amen, was tracking the ministry of Jesus. Though he was in prison, but he was sending his guys. They were coming. They were telling, you know, John, what was happening in the life of, in the ministry of Jesus. The Bible says, when John, who was in prison? Now, excuse me, you don't want to be in prison. I mean, you were sent to, to, to carry out a ministry. And here is Jesus Christ, you know, stepping into ministry. And things were happening. He was doing great things. And you, that was, that, that was designed, that was sent to be, amen, the forerunner, you have been captured by, by Herod. And you've been told that you are going to be what? Beheaded. This guy is in prison. And they've told him you've got a few days to live. You're going to die. But it's not, you're not just going to die any kind of death. We are going to bury. We're going to cut your head. We're going to behead you. So I need you to begin to put yourself in the shoe amen, of John. The Baptist. And beyond that, okay, before I get into that, let me let me just take it gradually. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the of the Messiah, he sent his disciple. Listen to this. He sent his disciple. That is the first mistake. Did John doesn't know about the ministry of Jesus? It, it does. 
Did John, does he know about the identity of Jesus? He does. So what happened? To the point that John is sending his disciples to Jesus. Now, listen to the question John sent. Ask him, are you the one to come? Or should we expect someone else? Can I hear say you context? <laughs> Can I you say context? Context here is, excuse me, are you really, truly the Messiah? Because I'm getting disappointed about you here. You're supposed to be the Messiah, the one that saves. And you know that I'm in prison. You have not even come to visit me. You have not even come to check. You have not even come to encourage me. Even if I'm going to die, you have not done any of this thing. Are you truly the Messiah? Does that sound like somebody here? Are you really, truly the Messiah that you come? Ask him, are you the one to come? Or should we, should we, should we expect someone else? That is a statement of a person that is disappointed. That is the statement of one that is already getting what? Offended. And this is at the peak of the ministry of John the Baptist. Like I said to you earlier, John is not just any kind of a prophet. He was the last prophet under the old covenant. He was the bridge between the old and the new. Come on. John the Baptist. He was a voice in the wilderness. He was the one who fed on locust and wild honey. He was the one, amen, who, 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 who wore the girdle, hallelujah, of, 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 you know, of the belt of, of, of a camel. Who, who, whose garment was that of a camel? John the Baptist. It was, it was the Elijah to come. It, it was mighty. It was powerful. But guess what? He got disappointed. My, but, but before I before I go into this, let's look at something else. Let's look at, let's go to, because I need you to see this. John chapter 1 verse 29. Let's take it from verse 28. Because John asked, sent a question, right? Are you the one that should come? Or should we expect another one? That's a question of somebody who is getting amen, disappointed. Get, in fact, not just disappointed. Somebody getting disappointed. Somebody getting offended. Because John was expecting certain things from Jesus. One of it is, come rescue me. <laughs> That's why I said, listen to this. If we don't have a clear insight and understanding about the ways of God, about the dealings of God, we are going to find ourselves secretly getting disappointed in our relationship with the things of the Spirit. Because we expect God to do certain things, to move in certain ways. You see, I've prayed, I've been praying, I've been sowing my seed, I've been paying my tithes, I've been giving my offering, I've been committed to the things of God. You know, you know how we list those things that we're doing. So I see no reason why my son should still be lying sick. I see no reason why my son should die. I see no reason why this thing should happen. I see. I mean, Jesus was a friend of Lazarus. That's another person who, 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 who almost got, in fact, not, not that she got, she got offended with Jesus. Because you can see from her statement, Mary, Mary was very close to Jesus. Mary was very close to, you know, the, the family of the Lazarus. The scripture said, they sent a message to Jesus. Your friend Lazarus is sick. We'd like you to come and pray for him. 
After all, you come to Lazarus' house to eat. I mean, we, we know when you come around. You know Jesus. Come on. Your friend Lazarus is sick. What am I bringing out? When we build a wrong expectation around the things of God, we get disappointed. So Mary was expecting, because Mary was somebody who was very close to Jesus. As a woman who sits at the feet of Jesus, she's received download, download from Jesus. And at download, amen, he's like, hey, Jesus was, is going to come. She will, he will come. I know him. But Jesus disappointed Mary. When you have a wrong expectation about the things of God, you always get disappointed. Because God's ways are not your way. That's the problem. Because we expect, because we have done X, Y, Z. You see, when you do the things of God from a concept of a formula, you're going you're gonna to get the wrong answer. You see, in the natural realm, when you follow formula, you always get to the right answer, even if amen, your pattern is wrong. In formula, you always get the right answer, but not in the things of the Spirit. In the things of the Spirit, if you follow a formula, you will always get the wrong answer. Because God doesn't deal with us by formula. He deals with us, hallelujah, by a heart-to-heart relationship. And you see Jesus later on rebuke Mary for her unbelief. Two days they were expecting Jesus. The guy, the guy never showed up. The second day he didn't show up. By the third day, I mean, everybody knew that Lazarus was sick. The disciples of Jesus said, Master, hello? Did you not hear? Maybe we should read the, me the memo to you again. They say your friend Lazarus is sick. Jesus said, yes, I know. I know. I know he's sick. <laughs> okay? So what are you going to do about it? Well, we'll go tomorrow. Tomorrow is the fourth day. Before tomorrow came, they sent a message. Don't bother. Your friend Lazarus is dead. Don't bother to come. He's dead. It's been four days now. This guy's dead. <laughs> Are we getting something about the ways of God? You see, we have to rethink when it comes to the things of the Spirit. We have to rethink. This concept of us thinking God is a fire brigade. You know, there's fire. Run, 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 run. Quench the fire. <laughs> Sometimes God will allow that fire to burn and quench by himself. We've got, to, we've, we've got to be able to track the things of God via the knowledge, amen, of biblical truth so that we don't get ourselves unnecessarily, what, disappointed in this last day. So that when people do things to us, you don't look at them and judge them. Come on, no one has the power to do anything for us. No one has the power to move anything on our behalf if the Lord has not whispered or push them or ask them to do it or else everybody's going to be your enemy because you'll be expecting this guy to show up well he's not showing up you know you it's like you call a party you remember you call a party everybody comes all your friends somehow they all give an excuse why they cannot come to the party 
and you feel disappointed, you feel belittled, you feel disgraced. The reason why you feel that way is because you're not tracking with the things of the Spirit. It's because you don't understand that there is a way that God wants to deal with us, that God is dealing with a situation that is beyond, the Bible says, his ways are beyond findings. The ways of God. Lazarus died. John the Baptist was left in prison. <laughs> Elijah ran from Jezebel. <laughs> Demas ran, left Paul to face the, the, the battle all by himself. He said, Demas have left me. He's gone to Thessalonica. He loved the things of this world. <laughs> Come on. Paul and Silas, they exchanged blow. Everyone went on his way. <laughs> you go your way, go my way. For John Mark. Come on. Even in the Reformation, Martin Luther and this other guy, is it John Calvin now? Yes. John Calvin. They had Big quarrel, big issue today. We read about Martin Luther. Martin Luther and John, they had a big quarrel. Because listen to this. When we, don't, when we don't see things through the eyes of the spirit. We can be talking about spiritual things. But if we're not all seeing the same things. Based on the value, principle and standard of God's word. I'm telling you, we're going to fight. Because you know what makes us fight? Because we hold on to what we believe. We hold on to that point that we see. No, I'm not going to give it. You're seeing from the right point. He's also seeing from the right point. But guess what? We all need to see from God's point. <laughs> You're right. He's also right. She's right. But guess what? We all need to see from God's point. That's why when we ascend on high, we will see from the eyes of the Lord. You see, until we ascend, we will never be able to walk in the perfect unity of the spirit. The Bible talks about us coming into the unity of the faith. The unity of the faith will only begin when we have unity of the spirit. And to have unity of the spirit we've got to ascend you see when you see things earlier from up from an elevated point you see all the angles but when we want to preach a truth a revelation from a low value you can only see from one angle you don't have a trip 360 degree sight nobody has a 360 degree sight if you want to see 360 degrees you've got to be elevated you've got to come to the place that is called ascended life no wonder the Bible says the gift only function. The reason why our gift today amen, is creating more, more, more division in the body of Christ is because we are trying to operate our gift from a valley realm. No, we minister to people in valley, but we operate from a dimension that is elevated. So, so when, he, when, he, when he ascended on high that he gave gift to men, am I, am I communicating? Friends, this is, I feel like God is saying, this is what will lead us into the next seasons of the things of the Spirit. Have you seen how scattered the church is? Strike the shepherds. The sheep will scatter. Yes, the shepherds are being struck all around. Everybody's doing his own little thing with his own little camp. The church is scattered and the devil is having a thrill day. He's enjoying it. He's celebrating, yes, scatter them. 
But what will unite the church will not be our revelation. It will be our ascension. When we all get to be ascended to that height in the spirit, where we all can see like Christ, where we all can look down at things, guess what? Our gift will flow like a river. Four heads, not two, not three. Four heads of river will flow out of garden. The four heads of river will flow out. Pishgan, Tigris will flow. Hallelujah. Euphrates will flow. Every dimension of the grace and the riches of Christ will flow from this Eden. Come on. But this Eden first must be elevated out of the earth. The paradise of God will come in there. The scripture said, let me read. I wanted to read John. John 1, 29, 20. Let's start from 28. Because we're tracking this through what, you know, John said. He said, are you the one to come? Remember, he was speaking from prison. He said, but maybe he didn't know who, who, Jesus, who, who Jesus was or who was doing those miracles. No, they were coming. Remember, he was sending his disciples. So they knew. They knew it was Jesus Christ. All right. In case you say, but maybe John didn't know who was performing those miracles. Well, the Bible says he was sending his own disciples. And he sent his disciples. He said, go. Go ask him. So what happened between this point and, you know, uh, 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 this level that John got to? There's a, there's a point here. I want to read this. John 1, 20, 28, 29. All this happened at Bethany beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, look, behold, the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. So John, hallelujah, who was the portal, who was the way maker, had a first and understanding is like is you know is like Peter who had a first and understanding thou at Christ the Son of the Living God flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father in heaven the same the same Hallelujah we can say of of John he said behold I mean John was pointing people he was pointing the nation he was pointing amen, the Jewish community he was pointing the Romans he was pointing everybody behold. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, you think that is enough? Let me read verse 30. This is he of whom I said. For this is he of whom I said. A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he is before me. So don't tell me John does not know if Jesus was the one to come. He knew, but something happened in his heart. He got disappointed. His expectation got, got, got punctured by God. And this will happen to you if you're a prophet. It will happen to us in the prophetic. So don't let nobody fool you. You're going to get to a point where what you believe will be shaken to the core. It's going to be shaken because you'll be expecting God to come huh? and he's not coming. You'll be seeing disaster happening around you and people are going to be challenging the 
power and the authority and the authenticity of your God, what are you going to say? Are you going to defend him? God doesn't want you to defend him. He wants you to be quiet and watch and give glory to him. In all things, give thanks for it is the will of God. If you have not learned to give glory to God in, the, in, the, in your valley, you cannot appreciate God in the ascension. This is he of whom I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he's before me. So John did know. So why? Why? He said, I said but what are you talking about? There was nothing that said that suggested that John was there was you know was uh, was was disappointed. Let's read on. Let's go back to Matthew chapter eleven. Let's go back to Matthew chapter eleven. When I'm, I'm going to take it from verse. Okay, in fact, let me take it from verse one. I'll just read down. After Jesus had finished instructing his twelve disciples, he went on from there and to teach and to preach in the town of Galilee. When John who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you have, what you have heard and what you have seen. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who are leprous are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. I mean, this is the first time Jesus is like boasting of his ministry. You never hear, I've never seen a place where Jesus boasts, where Jesus made such a, a declaration of his ministry. This is the only and the first time. Wow. That just struck me now. So Jesus said, go, go, Jesus said, go back and report to John. Go tell him what you have seen. Go tell John what you see and what you hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who, are, who have leprous are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. And, 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 good, and, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Bless, now listen to this. Bless is the one who does not stumble because of me. Blessed is the one who is not offended because of me. So you see the context. Jesus was addressing that ungodly, toxic spirit, amen, of, 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 of offense that has crept into the heart of John, his beloved. Blessed is the one that is not offended because of me. Can I give you a word, friends? Many things are going to offend us. And they are fine. But beyond that, many of us are going, to are going to get offended because of Christ. Because of the ministry of Christ. Because of what we believe and what we expect of Christ. We're going to get offended because of what people have told us. What people have said about the ministry of Christ. How Christ has been represented to us. It will cause offense. Because Christ is not going to pan out. He's not going to show up the way they projected him. How many people all right, today have been disappointed because they expected rapture to take place at a certain time. Isn't it? Yes. They expected Jesus to come at a certain period. I mean they've been powerful prophets. Look at somebody like, you know, William Abraham. He came and this was a man God used powerfully. And at a point, he began to, 
make certain declaration that was contrary to the word of God. He got disappointed. Many people have gotten disappointed to the point that they, they, you know, their ministry led them. They went back into, you know, into cultism. Don't build false expectation. There are people today who are who, who, who are on the treadmill because they need to prove a point. Because when they look around, hey, this person's ministry is growing. That person's ministry is booming. That one is these things are just happening. But look at me, what's going on with me? They're getting they're getting frustrated. Now they're going to the witch of Endom. Now they're going to all kinds of places just because they need to also listen to this. The ministries of the Lord. You cannot whine what God has not given you the power to produce. When the time for the wine, hallelujah, to, you know, to, 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 to be served is not ready. Listen to this. It will look as if everything you have done is a failure. You know, let me say this. I, I mean, I've shared this many times. The first 12, 13 years of my ministry, it was suffering. I mean, I suffered. But those suffering where, where you know was a period in my life where i grew the most in the things of the spirit i will have to pray i, I mean i would literally pray for people to come to church i'm praying i'm fasting i'm pray i mean there was a period in my life i fasted my my my, my, my tummy was as flat as this thing <laughs> in the spirit of god one day spent yeah this day you're gonna die <laughs> and the work will continue <laughs> you see because i was running the ministry you know, on false expectation. We, we can build our life on false expectation. You can build your relationship. You can, you know, you can build your relationship on false expectation. Listen to this. Let me share this. Certain people, your wife is powerful, anointed. When she stands and she can speak, and I mean, the place will move. Everybody will like, wow, what a woman of God. And now you're sitting, and now you're thinking, but my wife. She doesn't. She can't even stand in front of the, you know, of the pulpit. She she doesn't even want to take the microphone. Listen, it doesn't make your wife less a woman of God. There are ways that God have shaped and patterned each of us, or else you look at some somebody's, you know, structure. You look at how somebody's life and ministry and marriage is packaged and you want to copy that because you, you like that. Because, because you, you want that. You know, because you, you know, you, 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 you desire that. You're going to create a false expectation that may even end up your relationship. How many pastors today have divorced their wife because she, she is not woman of God enough? She, she's not she's not out there enough she doesn't represent or it, it could be the other way you expect your husband to be some god knows what and god is saying but that's not what i've made him to be false expectation false expectation always seek for always seek for false impartation john god you know Excuse me. Hello? Hello? All right. I was just saying that I'm expecting some guests. It seems maybe they're on their way. I don't know. But let, let, let me just try to round this up. Let me try to run this. False expectation, amen, will lead us into a point where we get disappointed. 
Now, look at this. The Bible says, Jesus said, go and, go and report to John. Amen. The blind sees. They receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. Good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is the one. Who is he talking about? He's talking to Paul. Excuse me. He's talking to John. Blessed is John. Who, 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 amen. Who is not stumbling at my account. Don't let my life, don't let my work, don't let my ministry, don't let, amen, how, how I've decided to respond to, to life and to ministry disappoint you. Don't get disappointed. Blessed is the one who does not get stumbled or who is not offended because of me. Friends. We need to look at this again and again and again. Hopefully, tomorrow, I'm going I don't intend to, you know, make this a long, you know, teaching. You know I me, mean? I can take it to, to another week, but no, no. I just want to bring this out for us to just look at it. So maybe what we're gonna do again, maybe hopefully today or tomorrow, we just look at this concept of you know offense again. All right? And and keep it at the front of our in of our of our view and journey with us because we need to have insight about the nature of the days that we live in. We don't want to get disappointed. We don't want the enemy, amen, to take advantage of us because we have a false sense of expectation. When we develop a false expect false sense of expectation, we will step into offense. Don't let anybody offend you because your expectation is of the Lord. Thank you everyone this morning for tuning in, for connecting with me. I hope I've been able to, you know, drop a word into your heart this morning. I hope the Lord has steered something in your spirit. May we continue to journey on with the Lord. Thank you everyone. I appreciate it. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye-bye.